BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. Donald Trump cannot be president, cannot run for president, cannot become president, cannot hold office unless two thirds of Congress decides to grant him amnesty for his conduct on January 6th. So say two conservative law professors. As reported by Adam Liptak, who covers the United States Supreme Court and writes Sidebar, that's a column on legal developments. He himself, a graduate of the Yale Law School, he practiced law for 14 years before joining the New York Times news staff about 20 years ago. Adam, thank you so much for coming back to the program. Who are William Baud and Michael Stokes Paulson? They are prominent law professors, truly. Uh, they're active members of the Federalist Society, the conservative legal group, and they're proponents of originalism, the mode of constitutional interpretation that seeks to determine the original meaning of the Constitution. And they took a look at a question uh, with an open mind, they say, of whether a part of the 14th Amendment adopted after the Civil War disqualifies uh, Donald Trump from being president. And you're referencing Section 3 of the 14th Amendment adopted after the Civil War, as you note, and I'm report, I'm reading from your coverage, which bars those who have taken an oath to, quote, support the Constitution of the United States from holding office if they then, quote, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. Well, as a practical matter, how does this play out? How do we know whether someone has engaged in that behavior or said differently, says who? Right. So there's three different questions in a way. One is, what's the ordinary reading of those terms? And I think many people, not all, but many people would say that that contemporary language comes close to covering uh, what Donald Trump did. The innovation of this paper is to ask not what the current reader thinks, but what did those terms mean to the people who drafted and adopted the amendment? And they make a long and elaborate case that the original meaning of the Constitution surely uh, picks up what Trump did. But the third point, which which is your question, Michael, is how does this play out? And they say that every person who is obligated to follow the Constitution, including election administrators, have a constitutional obligation to make this determination. And if they think that Donald Trump has uh, engaged uh, in insurrection or rebellion, they should keep him off of the ballot. And that, of course, would give rise to an immediate lawsuit from Donald Trump, which would go up through the court system. 
And it's not crazy to think the question might reach the Supreme Court. Or alternatively, if all 50 secretaries of state say, no, we're not going to get involved in this, we'll let the voters decide, we'll put them on the ballot, a competing candidate, a Chris Christie or somebody, could well sue and say he's not eligible, just as the Constitution says you have to be 35 to be president. Uh, These authors argue that this is a qualification that has to be applied by everybody, not just the courts. So this is going to be a law review article published at my alma mater, which is the University of Pennsylvania Law School. By the way, the alma mater of of one Tanya Chutkin as well. Kind of interesting. Um, By the way, I I will tell Adam Liptak only because uh, legal geek that you are, and I say that in a positive way, you will appreciate the fact that my law school class at Penn not only had Tanya Chutkin in it, but also Bruce Reinhardt who was the magistrate judge in Florida who authorized the search warrant of Mar-a-Lago. Not bad for a class of 200, right? That's, that's great stuff, yeah. <laughs> it's good trivia. Um, so this will be published, you say, next year. Do you think it'll then be used as a roadmap for challenges in 50 states or, or, or some uh, smaller number thereof, that, that people will actually rely on the research that they've done and, and wage these challenges to keep Trump off the ballot? Yeah, I don't think uh, the the article uh, is available. It won't be published formally in paper until next year, but it's 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 posted on the internet. It's linked to in my article. Uh, these cases have been popping around. There has been a New Mexico County Commissioner disqualified uh, from running for that position by a New Mexico State Court because he engaged in the actual attack on January sixth. Uh, a, a court in Georgia said that Marjorie Taylor Greene was not disqualified, but even that court said, had she engaged in the insurrection, the uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment would apply. But because she took the oath on January 3rd, and between January 3rd and January 6th, that court said she didn't engage in insurrection, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is a member of Congress. And then Madison Cawthorn of North Carolina lost in uh, the Fourth Circuit to Federal Appeals Court in Richmond, Virginia, on one of his central arguments. And then the case was mooted out because he lost in the primary. So versions of this case have already percolated up in the courts. And now the question is, is someone going to uh, address the question of Donald Trump? What would be the impact of a Trump trial for the events of January 6th, meaning the most recent of the indictments? Yeah, these are two different lanes. Uh, Trump is facing three, excuse me, and maybe four in a matter of days, criminal prosecutions. That's a separate question. That's a question of whether he needs to be punished, whether he should serve prison time or be subjected to other kinds of criminal punishment for various forms of alleged wrongdoing. This asks a separate question. This asks the question of, is he eligible to hold office? And the two things run on different tracks. They draw on similar factual predicates, uh, but they present different legal questions. Well, he wasn't, I guess what I'm wondering, Adam, is he wasn't prosecuted, could have been theoretically, but wasn't prosecuted for sedition. I don't think it was recommended by the January 6th commission. I know he wasn't 
charged with that if he had been and had convicted. And maybe I'm using that word too loosely, sedition instead of insurrection. But then I think this would be a much stronger case. Yeah, everyone's everyone's intuition, and as a practical matter, is probably correct, is that the courts need to make some determination about whether he did these things. Uh, there, there is, on the other hand, these authors say, abundant, uncontested public record evidence of many kinds of conduct that they say fit neatly within the original understanding of insurrection or rebellion. There's also a practical consideration. Let's say that armed with this law review piece and and other information and arguments, someone litigates, they keep Trump off a ballot. Now it goes up to the Supreme Court of the United States where it's it's greenlit and, and Trump is precluded. What would be the reaction among that part of the country that are loyal to Donald Trump? Right. About about their ability to go out and vote for him again in 2024, having been taken away by this sort of adjudication. Yeah, you raise an important point, and the reaction, of course, would be enormous and very likely violent. And that practical reality cannot but influence uh, courts and the Supreme Court in how they look at it. And they may also think, listen, let's entrust this question to the voters. Uh, Let the voters decide whether uh, Donald Trump crossed some constitutional line. Uh, there's a there's a role for what some law professors call popular constitutionalism, leaving it to the voters. The counter argument is that the framers of Section Three meant it to be an anti-democratic provision, meant it to take uh, this decision away from the voters, meant to, although writing in broad language, it seems to apply uh, throughout history, but certainly to address the immediate problem they were looking at, which is should you allow people who took up arms against the union uh, to then go on to hold federal or state office? A final question for Adam Liptak, and thanks for your willingness to come on again and discuss your work. How does this play with others in a leadership position or position of influence with the Federalist Society? Um. I don't have detailed reporting on that. A founder of the Federalist Society, uh, a third law professor, called the paper a tour de force. I don't think the Federalist Society, as a general matter, is crazy about Trump, the man, or even many of his policies. Uh, they are more mainstream conservatives, many of them. Uh, you know, it's it's a... It's it's not a homogenous group. Um, conservatives have made many different kinds of opinions, but I don't think I don't think it's a shock that at least some of their prominent members, looking at the constitutional materials, should come to this conclusion. Adam, thanks again. Really appreciate your expertise. It's great to be with you, Michael. Thank you, sir. Adam Liptak covers the United States Supreme Court and writes Sidebar. That's a column on legal developments. He himself a graduate of the Yale Law School. I think this will be tomorrow's poll question. This is going to be my my default. You don't have to type it out. I already have it in front of me because I was torn as to whether to do it today or, or tomorrow. This This is the way that I would probably word it. Should the 14th Amendment bar Donald Trump from running for president because he has already 
engaged in insurrection or rebellion. I was a little embarrassed with my guest because he wrote in his piece that this will be published. Quote, the professors are so-and-so and so-and-so. They studied the issue for a year. They detailed their findings in a long article to be published next year in the University of Pennsylvania Law Review. Unusual for me, I read this in the print edition here. Look, listen, of the Times, not knowing, I guess, if I'd gone and read the online edition, it's actually embedded. It's been published already. All 126 pages of it. Right. So I didn't know that. You know, you, you, yeah, yeah. you get used Going to those to little be. links sure, where sure. you can. Hyperlinks. Okay. So now it's it's even more clear in my mind. So the work is done. The publication is out. And they say, hey, this is automatic. You know, we as a practical matter want might want, I think, certainly would want a court to tell us that there's been a finding of fact. And instead they say, no, there's enough in the record already. The provision in question is Section 3 of the 14th Amendment adopted after the Civil War. It bars those who had taken an oath to support the Constitution of the United States from holding office if they then shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. Congress can remove the, the prohibition, the provision says, but only by a two-thirds vote in each chamber. So this mindset would be one of, you can't put Trump on ballot X. Pick out your own state. Because he engaged in insurrection. And then, if you were able to convince the state authorities to do so, he would take a two-thirds vote from both chambers. No, 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 we've got to put Donald Trump back on the ballot. The new article examined the historical evidence illuminating the meaning of the provision at great length using the methods of originalism. It drew on, among other things, contemporaneous dictionary definitions, other provisions of the Constitution, using similar language, quote, the especially strong evidence from the 1860s Civil War era political and legal usage of nearly the precise same terms and the early enforcement of the provision. It concluded that essentially all of that evidence pointed in one direction, quote, toward a broad understanding of what constitutes insurrection and rebellion and a remarkably, almost extraordinarily broad understanding of what types of conduct constitute engaging in assisting or giving aid or comfort to such movements. The bottom line is that Donald Trump both engaged in insurrection or rebellion and gave aid or comfort to others engaging in such conduct within the original meaning of those terms as employed Section 3, 14th Amendment. The provisions language is automatic, the article said, establishing a qualification for holding office no different in principle from the Constitution's requirement that only people who are at least 35 years old are eligible to be president. I can see this playing itself out. I, I can certainly see legal challenges being lodged particularly in uh, uh, in states where the court system, you know, more blue states would be receptive to hearing this and that the Supreme Court would get called on to decide it. But but there would be a hue and cry, needless to say, from MAGA world if a court were to say, without even a jury, but a court were to say, wait a minute, Donald Trump, you you are barred from running for the presidency. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Blair, what did you make of that? You're in St. Louis, Missouri. Welcome. Hi. Um, well, I kind of took it as for the Federalist Society as a political epistemic network filled with academics that have their own opinions, own work on everything. It's kind of been a continuous characteristic of them to take a broad understanding of a historical take on the Constitution. And so for the for interpreting Section 3 using uh, historical and dictionary sources, I'm not quite surprised by that, and I think that does give some credit to their case, even if it is a bit rocky in terms of its legal security. I don't know if it's rocky. I, I have. I will take the time to go read the law review publication. As I said a moment ago, I, I misunderstood that it had already been released. Uh, I know this. They say they studied it for more than a year. And they went into it open-minded. And thank you, Blair. In fact, I'll, I'll quote, When we started out, neither of us was sure what the answer would be, said Professor Baud. People were talking about this provision of the Constitution. We thought, well, we're constitutional scholars. This is an important constitutional question. We ought to figure out what's really going on here. And the more we dug into it, the more we realized that we had something to add. The summary that they gave to Adam Liptak, Donald Trump cannot be president, cannot run for president, cannot become president, cannot hold office unless two thirds of Congress decides to grant him amnesty for his conduct on January 6. Robert, you're in Fort Lauderdale. Thanks so much for calling. What did you most want to say? Yeah, Michael, that voice, it, it, your guest, it sure sounded a lot like one of those 50 former intelligence officers with the laptop Russian disinfo. And uh, he sure sounded that way. Um, but he's, also, he's just, I hope wait, 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 I'm going to, of course, I'm going to let you make your point. But to be fair, he's the reporter. He's the legal reporter. He he was bringing to our attention that these two legal scholars locked themselves in a room for more than a year. And here's the conclusion they came to. I, I mean, I wouldn't take it out on well, Adam well, Liptak if you don't agree I'm with the sure conclusion. They have drinks at, after work, too. He, he was the, uh, the Federalist. Anyway, my other, the Attorney General guidelines, Michael, the... We don't speak about active investigations, but as far as prosecuting before elections, we don't care much about that guideline. And what about not hiring special counsels inside from inside Washington? Oh, we don't pay attention to that what that guideline anymore. We're two for two with special counsels. And finally, the five plus years for Hunter Biden investigation, 
But when Jack Smith is going after Trump, we want a speedy trial. I mean, this whole thing, we live in a freaking corrupt Corrupt I don't I don't know right I don't know which of those to respond to other than to direct your attention to what I've said here and the commentary I delivered on CNN, no less, where I said it's not proper to try and speed this case to trial to beat the election. And that was the poll question on Saturday. Forty four thousand people voted on my poll question. And guess what? Eighty percent of us are in agreement. Tim, you're in Atlantic, Iowa. Greetings. What did you want to say? I think it's interesting that this section of, uh, I think you said the 14th Amendment came out of the Civil War because if enacted during this election cycle, it would probably lead to a civil war. Maybe that's a better poll question. If, if, if a court... 40, percent of, 40 to 50 percent of Americans loyally support Donald Trump. And it's probably higher because a lot of Americans don't like to admit it but they do. That's how he shocked the world in 2016. And if you take their right to vote for their leader away in a court, yeah, good luck with that. Uh, a couple of things. Number one, in this instance, we would need the barricades. Number two, I know of what Tim speaks because I, in, in the late 80s, worked for a populist a uh, political figure who always outperformed his polling numbers. Always. Frank Rizzo would, would always do literally like 10 points better. If, if, if a poll showed him trailing by less than 10, like he could be tra- trailing by eight points, you'd be like, damn, we're in good shape. We're only losing by eight because it was so unfashionable for some to admit to a pollster at a time when people really did have house phones that they answered and talked to pollsters, you know, that they were going to vote for him. And that, is, that does need to be said and, and reinforced. Remember what happened in, in 2020. You know, he was, he was expected to be, uh, he was expected to lose to Biden by a much more significant margin than was the case. And let us also remember that until Arizona got called by Fox on election night, it looked like Trump was about to win the thing. I remember, I remember watching the returns and I, I, I have a friend who is, really a direct pipeline into the the betting world and he was sharing with me the the fluctuation as the night progressed in how the markets were looking at the likelihood of a trump win starting out you know much the underdog and there came a point i want to say at like 9 30 eastern time when trump was a was a almost prohibitive favorite that he was going to win the thing and then didn't he defies the pollsters to the uh to the callers uh uh point uh, Ginny, hello in Virginia Beach. What did you most want to say? Hi, Michael. I love your show. Um, I love how half the time I'm nodding along with you and the other half I'm screaming at the radio. Um, <laughs> I, my point is that if my point is that it really I want us to stop caring about what Mega World is going to think about it. Half of Mega World thinks that the people that are in jail convicted of sedition are patriots. And so we need to do, I don't know whether he should be on the ballot or not. That's for much greater minds than mine. But I really need us to stop being afraid to do what we think needs to be done in our country, whatever it is. Right. So just so I'm clear, and I don't know if this instance will be one where you're nodding your head in agreement or upset with me. I'm, I'm not here saying, well, we can't do that because people will be upset. 
it's me just being the observer noting that if a court were to say Donald Trump is precluded from running where there's been no fact finding, that is not going to sit well with a large part of the country. And that needs to be observed. That that's all. Thank you, right. Jenny. Well, I'm going to quote one of Trump's attorneys that that's why we have the Insurrection Act. Understood. Thank you, Jenny. I appreciate it. Yeah, you guys are ladies and gentlemen, you're all convincing me this. This will make a, a good poll question for tomorrow. But, TC, we have a good poll question today, do we not? Why, yes, we do. Would you like to read it? And I will pull up some responses. I would like to do that right now. The question asks, oh, geez, we got lots of notes here today, don't we? <laughs> well, questions about Hunter and Joe Biden I now have, break oh, out go. of yeah. the conservative echo chamber, is what you're asking at Smirconish.com. Yes. And currently the votes are running, well, it's processing. Oh, over 12,000 votes already. 12,000 okay. votes. And it's... 56% to 44%. Okay, that has shifted. That has shifted. It was it was a much higher number when I looked earlier, when it was at like 8,000 votes. Really? Yeah, tell us. Give me the question and tell me how it's running. Well, questions about Hunter and Joe Biden now break out of the conservative, conservative echo chamber, and 55.67% are saying... Yes. Interesting. Go vote at Smirconish.com. Register for the free daily newsletter, especially if you want to see tomorrow's exclusive content from Pulitzer Prize winning editorial cartoonist Jack Oman, because he is the Tuesday cartoonist. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. On the subject of whether the Constitution already bars Donald Trump from running again for office. Tom, you're in northern Virginia. Hi. 
Good morning, Michael. Um, this 14th Amendment is a fascinating issue, and it seems to me that if one state brings a lawsuit, this goes quickly to the Supreme Court. I was just curious of your thoughts. Yeah, I guess that would be the path, right? Uh, he has to be deemed eligible by 50 secretaries of state. I think it would be the secretary of state in each of the states. So if there should be a challenge, and I'm sure listening to this conversation and, and reflecting on what we've just learned, there will be at least one challenge. All it would take would be one state to say, Donald Trump, sorry, you're not going to be on our ballot. And, and then we would be off to the races, and eventually we would get to the Supreme Court of the United States. Seth, greetings in Philly. You most wanted to say what? Hey, Mike. Uh, well, I, two quick points. One is um, he was already acquitted for the January 6th impeachment uh, thing by Congress. I don't know how they're considering charging him or, or relitigating that point. And I do believe that he should have been arrested you know, that day by the FBI for inciting a riot, for inciting a riot. But my main point is, is that you said spoke earlier about the age limit to run for president. Minimally, you have to be 35 years old. And my biggest thing is you should not be able to run for office if you are, <clears throat> if you are 72 years old or older, period. And if you end up being like, for example, like RFK Jr., 69, I think, if he were to run for president and win, he's not eligible for a second term because he's above that age limit. And I think that that is pure and simple, the grasp that the, these baby boomers of power will not let go about. Look at all the leaders in Congress. I'm going to can I say because it's a because it's a it's a lightning round. I'm going to stick with your first point. I find it interesting. So it would be a Trump defense of double of double jeopardy. Wait a minute. I've already I've already been tried for that in terms of impeachment number two, and I was acquitted. So you can't possibly use this as a basis to preclude me from running. Interesting. Joe, in Cleveland, go ahead. Well, he shouldn't be able to run. And I'll tell you two things to guarantee will happen if he's the um, party leader. First of all, he's going to lose. That's guaranteed. And when he loses, once again, we're going to have a replay of Donald Trump all over again. And America does not need that. Period. Well, at least this time he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't have control of the, the levers. You know, it would be different because he'd be on the outside looking in. He wouldn't be the president of the United States summoning people for the January 6th events. Glenn, you're in Howell, New Jersey. Hi, Michael. And, and hoping I understand the lightning round rules. Um, I'm interested in your perspective of using originalism uh, and the practical application of originalism in this, the, using the 14th Amendment to bar Trump from running, uh, as it relates to also using the Second Amendment, um, original, the original intent of the Second Amendment in, um, in making gun laws and gun possession laws. It seems that, to me that originalism doesn't have a practical application in, in modern times. So you therefore say what? This section, Section 3 of the 14th, goes out the window and just does not apply? Well, for practical purposes, yeah, they're not going to be able to, to, to physically use it. The Supreme Court's not even going to want to look at it. Well, if Donald Trump had been convicted, and let's say that he'd been indicted for sedition, which could have happened, and then was convicted of sedition, I think then 
this would follow. We'd say, well, wait a minute, sedition. I'd have to look up and, and tell you the difference between insurrection and sedition. I use them as synonyms. Maybe I shouldn't. Julie in Minnesota, greetings. What did you most want to say? Yes, I just wanted to say uh, one thing. I'm glad that this attack of the 14th Amendment is being undertaken and that the constitutional scholars really only need to ask Trump one question, and that is, who is the current president of the United States? Boom. Hmm. Case closed. Thank you, Julie. Uh, finally, and then we're done on this. Donna in Wissanoming. Oh, why are you missing? Pardon me. Why are you missing? I was thinking of a Philadelphia neighborhood instead of a community. Go ahead. Tell me what you wanted to say, Donna. I want you to go back and look at your poll question from Saturday. I okay. think there's some confusion. Tell me. Are you are you are you saying that um, voters think the election should determine the timing of trials? Here's here's how I worded it. Should the timing of any Trump trial be influenced by the date of the election? What what it would quickly tell me wherein lies the confusion? Maybe you're right. Um, you're saying that it should be influenced by the date of the election. No. But that's what your tweet says. Yeah, I, I, I don't. You must be referencing our sending out the question, but I, I don't know how I could have done it differently. I think it was pretty straightforward. Should the timing of any Trump trial be influenced by the date of the election. What I was getting at is, should one determine the other? Should we be looking at when is election day and then deciding when a trial will be held? No. But on your tweet, you you said yesterday's poll closed right. with 70% of voters saying that the timing of any Trump trial should be influenced by the date of the election. Did I send out a sloppy tweet? Maybe. I don't know. TC, yes, would you look did. for that? Did I? Okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people so, responded, and I just want to be clear that that's is not Is she right? She's did. right. She's right? Yes. What the hell happened? I don't know. I got to take a look. Donna, you want a t-shirt for that? You've, you've, you've exposed an error on my part. I want to reward you. Oh, I would love one. All right. Hang on a second. I'm going to put Donna on hold and reward her for pointing out. What did I say, TC? So on August 13th, you tweeted. Yeah. The tweeting department tweeted. Yes. That was not be me, by the way. Okay. I'm about to be angry. Yesterday's poll closed with 78.57 of 44,317 voters saying that the timing of any Trump trial should be influenced by the date of the election. That is wrong. And it's absolutely wrong. And what's interesting is in the... In the results, it has the picture. It has the picture that's correct. Okay. Well, was not yours truly, but I'll I'll take wasn't the hit. my truly either. Yeah, that's not right. I agree with oh, you. That, that's the total opposite. However, I can delete it. Shall I? Uh, yes. No, just let keep it there. All right, Jesus. Enough. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Be- 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.